How many is ready for the word of the Lord? Let me hear you say amen. Come on now. Oh, you guys sound good for a cold winter morning. I'm so glad you're here. How many want to make a difference? Raise your hand if you want to make a difference. We want to make a difference. Uh, you know, what do you want this year? That's the question that you ask yourself. Every New Year's we ask ourselves, what do you want? And, you know, on my journey, I've learned to say that every New Year's I'm learning more and more to say, I, I just really want to make a difference. I, I told the Lord this a few years ago. I went through a time where I was just like, God, I don't want to just be doing things to be doing it. I don't want to just spin my wheels. I want to make sure that what we are doing is making a difference. I want to make sure what I'm personally doing is making a difference. I want to make sure what Destiny Church is doing is making a difference in people's life. We want to make a difference. If I ask you here, I'm, I'm sure that for all of us, we would all agree with that statement. We want to invest and, and do things that will make a difference. Now, some of you may not want to make a difference, but I believe the biggest majority do want to make a difference. How many want to have a positive impact on someone's life this year? How many want to have a negative impact? Hey, uh, wait, no, no, just, just trick question. No, you want to have a positive impact. So uh, we're talking about this, how we can make a difference today. I want to give it to you. I want us to lean in. I, I believe if anyone who ever walked this earth who made a difference, it was Jesus, right? He changed my life. He changed your life. And so if we lean into this pattern today, this story I'm going to read you, we can see real quickly how that you and I can really make a difference. Listen, I want you to make a difference this year. Just don't be here at the end of this year of 2022 and look back and say, boy, did I really make a difference in anybody's life? Did I make a difference that I was here? I want you to answer that boldly at the end of the next year and say, yes, yes, I made a difference in someone's life. Matthew 9, look at this story as it unfolds. I love it. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. This is what Jesus said, follow me. And Matthew got up and he followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and they ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, this is the religious crowd, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go, he said, now go ponder on this. Learn what this means. I desire, Jesus said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. So we see something happen here. Jesus was eating with Matthew. He called Matthew. He was a tax collector. Now, what I want you to get today is tax collectors are different today. They're not, they're not the, the best people today. We know that. They're not the most revered or loved people today, but they were hated back in Jesus' day. And the reason why is this, that the tax collectors were seen as people who were traitors. They were hired by Rome. When Rome came in and overtook their government, they hired their own, one of their own to be a tax collector. So it was like a traitor. They, they hired someone who was already one of their own and said, you're gonna be the tax collector. Now we'll tax all your people. And if Rome asked for 20% of tax, they had to collect 20%. 
But as a tax collector, how they got their money was this. They could also charge another 20% for their own personal account. And so people only despised them because they felt like they were traitors against their own people. And they didn't despise them because they were wealthy. They despised them on how they obtained that wealth. People despised them because they were basically stealing and taking advantage of their very own people to gain personal wealth. So people hated tax collectors. Tax collectors were basically, if you put people in classes, it would be, first of all, people who made mistakes. Then it would be people who were sinners. Then it would be Raiders fans. And then you have tax collectors way down here. I mean, they were some of the most worst of the worst in society. People hated them. They were, they were despised. And so for Jesus to go up to a tax collector and said, hey, come follow me. And not only did he do that, we can read between the lines and see the story. But he shows up at his house and starts having, having dinner with him. How did Jesus respond to the most hated person in society? He saw him and he loved him. Jesus saw him and he loved him. And he called him to follow him. If you want to make a difference, write this down. If you want to make a difference this year, I want you to invite one. Invite the one. When we look at the world, it can seem overwhelming. How can I make a difference? We look at all the turmoil. We look at all the people hurting. We look at all the dysfunction, all the hate. How can I truly make a difference? If we look at it in the broad perspective, it can be very intimidating. It can be very overwhelming. Like, how is mine going to make a difference? But I want you to know that's not the way Jesus approached things. When Jesus changed the world, look at his pattern. He did it most of the time. He did it one person at a time. One tax collector, one fisher, one carpenter. He, he, he went to one person caught in adultery. He went to the one woman at the well who had been married so many times. And he went to the person who was outcast and the person who was a leper to put out. He went to the lame. He went to the, the blind. He went to the people that society rejected. He went to the wealthy doctors. He went to them all and he reached them one person at a time. Do, listen, uh, if you want to make a difference, I love this quote by Andy Stanley. He says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. That's how I start to make a difference. I wish I could, I could help everyone. Well, you, you can't help everyone, but you can help someone. Who is that one? And begin to do for them what you wish you could do for everyone. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but our God specializes in the act of multiplication. And God can take a simple act of obedience. When you begin to love somebody, you begin to invite that one person in. God can cause that to have a chain reaction and it can multiply. Now look at this. Let's pick it back up at 9-9. Let's read that first part again. And Jesus went from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. He says, follow me. He told him, and Matthew got up, and he followed him. He went right to them. When Jesus, we read the Gospels, we see time and time and time again where Jesus went after the one. Uh, what about the multitude? Yeah, there's times he taught the multitude. 
We'll read those stories. That's not that often in the scripture. It's not that often that he had a multitude. He was really spent a lot of time going after the one. And he went after the one. Who, who's the one in your life? Jesus always had time for the one. Jesus always ministered to the one. Answer this question. Who is the one in your life who is hurting the most? What's the friend at your work who's hurting the most? Who's the friend in your school who's hurting the most? Who's the person on your job who's hurting the most? Who's the person that's your teammate that's hurting the most? Who's the person in your neighborhood who's hurting the most? Who's the family member who's hurting the most? Who is it in your life who's hurting the most? Who is it who needs to be valued, who needs someone to see them for who they are. Who is that person? You gotta begin to ask that question and answer it. We see Jesus ministering to all people, but we see him going after those who are hurting the most. This is who Jesus made a priority in his life. So who is the one in your life? Who really needs some help or encouragement right now? Who is that? How am I going to make a difference? You're going to make a difference by inviting the one who's hurting, inviting the one who's lonely, inviting the one who's gone through a bitter divorce, inviting the one everybody else has turned their back on, inviting the one who's on their, their last dollar. Invite the one. Come on, who is it? They're in our life. I want to make a difference. Just don't give a lip sync and service. You've got to give a heart service. Say, God, who's the one? Who's the one? I'm not just going to go through the year praying prayers of generality. God, bless and help. No, I'm looking. God, who's the one? Your one could be someone who is spiritually lost. It could be a, that one could be someone who's spiritually lost and really needs the Lord. Now, this word lost could seem like it's a, a demeaning term, and it's not. Because when you read scripture, Jesus spent a lot of time talking about the lost. And not only he put a high priority on the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. He, he read a lot of high value on the things that were lost. So when we say praying for that one or who's that one who's spiritually lost, it's putting a high value on their life. Jesus put a high value on the lost. There was a high priority on these people. If something is lost, it has a high value, correct? Let me ask you this. If you lose a dime, are you going to go looking through your car and through your house trying to find that dime? Besides John Black, is there anybody else that would do that? <laughs> no, why? Because it's really not that high of a value, right? It's really not a, let me ask you this now. If you lost a $100 bill, how many are you going to get the whole family involved? We're going to turn this house upside down until we find that $100 bill. What's the difference? The value. When we see the value increasing, we see the priority increasing. And see, we got to see the high value that Jesus puts on the lost. We must have a heart for the lost and the hurting. We must have a heart for the one. Jesus had a heart for the one, and he wants you and I to have a heart for the one. If it's a person who's lost, how high value is that? 
When a person goes missing, we get the whole community involved. We get the whole community. People come from all around looking to help search. Why? Because people are valuable. They're a high priority. Let me ask you this, and I want you to answer this question. Lost, look at this statement. Lost things matter to God. Do they matter to you? I know, that's a, that's a tough question, isn't it? I can't answer that for you. We all have to answer that inside of our own heart this morning. Those watching online, you've you got to answer this question. Lost things matter to God. Do they matter to you? It's important that we under, answer this question because Jesus put so much time, so much effort, so much priority on the lost. We've got to make sure if we're going to make a difference, this is how we make a difference as well. Invite the one into your life. It's going to make a difference. Connect, love, serve, give, compassion, hope. And then number two, you want to make a difference, engage the few. So you invite the one, and then you learn to engage the few. Pick it up in verse 11 now of our text again. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, this, this is a short verse, but we see Jesus, follow, Matthew, come follow me. And then the very next verse, he's at Matthew's having a party with all of Matthew's friends. You think Jesus is not strategic? He went after the one tax collector, and now he's having lunch with all the tax collectors. Why? Because they're the only ones who hang around with each other. Nobody else wanted to eat with them. Nobody else wanted to hang out with them. So Jesus was very strategic by reaching the one. Now he can engage the few around that one. <clears throat> we see something happening here, and it wasn't just tax collectors that were hanging out. Sinners, had no t- they didn't, sinners didn't have a hard time hanging out with the tax collectors. It was the church people who were having a hard time hanging out with the tax collectors. Sinners had no problem with this. We can learn a lot from some sinners, couldn't we? Yeah. We can learn a lot about the heart of hanging out with people, accepting people, reaching people. Jesus was loved. I love this, that Jesus was loved by the tax collectors and the sinners. They loved Jesus. They love hanging around Jesus. Why? Do you think they felt judgment from Jesus? No. They felt love, compassion, mercy. They felt love, compassion, mercy. He looked into their very spirit and called them to a higher purpose. He spent time with them. We got to engage in a few. I mean, you're really investing in one and allow that relationship to spill over where you can invest in a few. Jesus never compromised his convictions, but he was able to influence the lost. He never compromised his convictions, but we see him a lot of times hanging around people who were the greatest sinners, quote, quote, in all the community. Jesus could be found there. He could be found there hanging out with the people who had blown it, people who had had a hard time in life and made bad decisions. Jesus was hanging out with these people. He was breaking bread with these people. He was speaking life to these people. He was showing compassion to these people. He looked them in the eye and he heard their heart and he let them hear his heart. Jesus made a difference in these people's lives. 
He influenced them. Why? Because he loved them genuinely. Now, I want to ask you a question. How many today, just seeing this gift from heaven right here, I think this is what manna really was in the Old Testament that we've seen. It was double stuffed Oreos, right? And just looking at this, how many people say, Pastor, I'm using all self-restraint, every New Year's resolution I've already made. I'm using all that restraint this morning to, to keep from running on stage and ripping that out of your hands. Hey, look, I mean, you just want to double stuff and you want to dip it into a tall glass of ice cold milk and eat that. Oh, man, it sounds great, doesn't it? It looks good. You can taste it without ever having it in your hand. Right now, some of you are already, you already got that black stuff right there coming up and the white stuff right there. Oh, man, you can taste it. Now, let me ask you this. I have a trash can here. And in this trash can, there's a couple of Oreos. Anybody want some of these out of the trash can? It's just, I know there's always one person right there. All right. What's the difference? What's the difference? It's Oreos. We got Oreos here. And we got some Oreos in the trash can. One you want, one you don't want. Why? Because packaging and presentation make a world of difference, doesn't it? It's, it's the same substance. It's still Oreos inside of here. And there's still Oreos inside of here. But there's a difference in the packaging. There's a difference in the presentation. Packaging matters. Turn to your neighbor and say that. Packaging matters. Presentation matters. Let me ask you this question. How do you package the good news? How do you package the good news? Uh, listen, as a believer, we should make it a go. We just spent a whole series at the last year, at the end of last year, talking about the good news, right? So how are we going to package that good news in 2022? How am I going to present the good news in a way where people want to come and try it, where people want to take a bite, where people want to have a part of this? How am I going to present it? How am I going to package it that's going to make it where someone wants to be a part of that? For too many of us, this is the way we present the good news right here. We walk around down all the time. We walk around with a bad attitude all the time. We walk around self-centered too much. It's about me, myself, and I. We're not worried about anybody else. And people are like, you talk about the good news, but to me, it's garbage. So I'm challenging you this year. If you want to make a difference, begin to pray. God, help me to package the good news better. Help me to live it out better. Help me to walk in the joy of the Lord better. Help me to walk out with the grace of God. Let me be a person who passes out grace to people. Let me be the one who brings joy onto my job. Let me be the one who looks at the hurting and sits down with them and has lunch. Let me be the one who's inviting those who are going through a, a bitter divorce to say, come hang out with my family this week. We'll have dinner with you. Who is it? Package it in a way 
where people were. Jesus packaged the good news in a way that even the tax collectors and the sinners, the prostitutes, they all wanted to hang out with him. Why? Because he had something they wanted. And he presented in a way, allow them to see the joy, not your judgment. Allow them to see compassion and not your criticism. I know I'm thanking you, man. That's a good thanks, Dad. I appreciate it. Anyway, look, look, let's read this last verse, Matthew 9, 12. On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need the doctor. So we got too many healthy people taking care of healthy people. Let's say it again. I went over your head. We got too many healthy people taking care of healthy people. We get healthy for a reason so we can help take care of the sick. That's why Jesus saved me and made me spiritually healthy so that I can reach out to somebody else and help them get spiritually healthy as well. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But, but go. He goes, and I want you to really learn what this means. Think about it. I desire mercy. They were all caught up on sacrifice. We're sacrificing. See, the Pharisees are all caught up. All the sacrifices I'm doing for God. And Jesus looked right at him and said, listen, you're missing it. I don't desire all the sacrifice. I desire mercy. This is what I'm, you're missing it. I, I, I appreciate your sacrifice and I appreciate your obedience. But what I really desire is for you to walk in mercy. I want you to spread mercy. I want you to give mercy to the people you guys have rejected. I want you to give mercy. The people you call tax collectors, I want you to give mercy. To those you see as sinners, I want you to give mercy. Someone told me a few weeks ago, they told me a story about when they had went, they had been out of church for a while and they went to a church and when they walked in, they said, no one talked to me. They treated me like, where have you been? They looked at me like I, I don't belong there. I left that building upset and some of them even followed me out to the parking lot, he said. They even followed me out to the parking lot and they confronted me about where I'd been. And I felt judged. And I felt like I didn't belong. I was crushed. They didn't know through, I was, I was crushed on the inside. I'd been hurting. I'd gone through a season of really hurting. For me to even come back to church was, was a big deal. And when I walked in, I received judgment. He said, I decided I was gonna go try some other churches and a friend of mine invited me to come check out Destiny. And when I walked in, he goes, I could just tell you, I, I felt love. I felt like no one was judging me. I felt accepted. As Pastor, thank you for having that kind of church. And I was telling that story to one of our staff members. They said, you know, I hear that all the time as well. We have, we have a church that's, that's really full of people. And I want to commend you for that. Because we, we have a church that's really full of people who are not looking to judge. We're just looking to give grace away. We're just looking to see God's make a difference in people's lives. But it's got to go beyond just our church. It's got to go beyond just what happens on Sunday morning. And it's got to translate to Monday morning as well. We've got to carry that spirit over into our DNA, DC. It's got to be our Monday DNA as well. It can't be just our, our Sunday. It's got to be our, our Tuesday DNA as well. We, we won't agree. Let me tell you, at Destiny Church, we're, uh, we believe in the full word of God. 
We're gonna hold true to the full word of God. No matter what society does, we will continue to let the Bible be the complete compass of our life. We hold true to the word of God as truth in our life. We won't always agree with people coming in and living opposite of the word of God. We're not gonna agree with them, but I make you a promise. We will defend everyone's right to experience God's grace, love, and forgiveness just like you've had a chance to do. Yes, amen. Yeah, give God a hand for that. We will defend everyone's right to obtain mercy. How do we do that? We, we invite the one. We invite the one and we engage the few. Let it run over who I am. I got the, I got the good news that's got to go in my life. I got the good news that's got to make a difference in someone's life. This message reminds me of a story I, I've told before. I think it would be good to share again today. It's a story of a little girl who was walking the beach and the current and the waves had brought in all these starfish and they were dumping them in to the, to the shore. She was walking all along the beaches and there was just everywhere you see, there was little starfish everywhere. And every wave would bring more and more and they were just dumping all these starfish all over. The sands were covered in starfish. And this little girl was out there and she was picking them up and she was throwing them back into the ocean. And she'd pick one up and throwing it back into the ocean and they were everywhere. And pretty soon this older gentleman walked in the beach and said, young girl, what, what are you doing? You, there's no way you're going to be able to put all these starfish back into the ocean. It's just not going to happen. I know it's, I look at us, so many of them. There's, there's no way, there's no way you're, you're going to be able to, to make a difference. There's no way you can make a difference. Look at how many there is. And she looked at that old man and she picked one up and she goes, I made a difference in that one's life. And I made a difference in that one's life. And I made a difference in that one's life. Today, we can't let the overwhelming burden thinking, how can I make a difference, paralyze us. We've got to look for the one to make a difference. If I'll make a difference in one and engage a few, and you'll do the same. Together, we're going to make a really big difference in this community this year. That's how it works. God wants to use you to make a difference. God wants to use you to make a difference this year. As you bow your heads, the first question I want to ask you is the question is, have you made your heart right with Jesus? No better time than on this first Sunday. Whether you're here in the auditorium or you're watching online today, today's a great Sunday to give your heart to Jesus. How do I do that? You simply just believe that he is the Messiah, God's only son, that he came to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins and that without his blood in my life, when I believe what he did on the cross to forgive the sins of the world, when I believe that and apply it to my life, the Bible says I can walk free of my sins and I walk now a child of God, redeemed of God. So today I ask you, have you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? We won't do anything to single you out. We're not going to embarrass you at all. Without anybody looking at me, can you just raise your hand if you're ready today to make your life and give your life to Jesus right now where you're at? Thank you. Anybody else want to join these? Yeah, I see those. Thank you, guys. Okay. We're going to say this prayer if you raise your hand online as well. Join us in this prayer. Say it together with us as we say it out loud together. We're going to say it. If you raise your hand, repeat after me. 
Christians around you, we'll help you along as well. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe you are the Messiah, God's only son. And from this day forward, I will live for you and I will follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you say welcome to the family. God, give a hand clap.